Our scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 13, I believe, maybe 12, 9 through 12, and I'm reading from the CEB version. Hear these words. Now the Israelites' cry of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them, so get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I am the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Exodus is probably one of my favorite of, well, my favorite of the Hebrew scriptures and possibly my favorite book of the Bible. I think Exodus gives us a sense of who God truly is. The scripture expounds on God's love for the disenfranchised, those who have little to no social standings in the context of Egypt. You see, the Exodus is the founding story of the Israelites. It's the story that is spread over a number of books found in the Hebrew scriptures, but it tells the story of the enslavement of the Israelites in Egypt, and their liberation by God's mercy, and their revelation at Mount Sinai, in addition to their wandering in the wilderness up into the land God had promised them. Yet before the Exodus, the Hebrew people lived in Egypt for generations. They were just ordinary people. who integrated into the political and social and economic life of Egypt after the great famine that overcame their land. Yet, when a new king ascended into the throne, he thought that these foreigners had no business in his land, nor did he think that the Hebrews had a right to multiply as fast as they were, so he decided to take action. He gathered his council, and they advised him to enslave these people and oppress them before they grew too powerful. Pharaoh limited the personal freedoms the Hebrew people had. He put taxes on them and recruited their men into forced labor under the supervision of harsh taskmasters. Thus, the children of Israel had to build cities. They built elaborate monuments, constructed roads. They worked in mines and made bricks and tiles. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them and the harder the restrictions imposed upon them became, the more the children of Israel increased and multiplied. And finally, Pharaoh saw that forcing these Hebrews to do hard work did not suppress their rapid growth in numbers. So he made a decree that all newborn males from the Hebrews be killed. Only the daughters should be permitted to live. 
But as a baby, Moses escaped this death at the hand of Pharaoh as he was raised right under the Pharaoh's nose. You see, Moses was born into uh, this time of slavery and the decree of uh, the death of all the firstborn males of Israel. However, Moses' mother desperately wanted to save her child, as any good mother would want. So she secretly hid him for as long as she could. But for whatever reason, Scripture tells us that she could no longer hide him. So this mother made a basket of, out of reeds. And she probably made the hardest decision of her life as she placed her baby boy, her only baby boy, in this basket and set him in the river. Now later, the baby was found by uh, Pharaoh's daughter, but instead of telling her father that she found this little Hebrew baby, she adopted him and he grew up within this royal family. Maybe that was the plan all along. I mean, Moses' older sister was a servant to Pharaoh's daughter. She probably spent the most time with her and knew her daily routine, and maybe she knew that the princess would, ha uh, would be at the river at this specific time, in this specific moment, and maybe she knew that Pharaoh's daughter would have the most pity on this baby. But regardless if that's true or not, Nadia Boltz Weber, a former pastor and an author of three New York Times best-selling memoirs, highlights a certain irony in the story. Now, while Pharaoh was concerned with men being a threat to his power, thus killing all the firstborn males, it was actually the women, including Pharaoh's own daughter, God used to overpower, overpower Pharaoh. And for that reason, Moses got to live. Which brings us to our passage today. So soon after Moses has reached adulthood, he killed an Egyptian man who had been found beating a fellow Hebrew. Moses, in order to escape the death penalty of Pharaoh, once again fled and started a new life. We don't know exactly how long he was gone, but during this time he was married and had a son, and Two other important things happen. The king of Egypt actually died, and Lord heard the cry of the oppressed people and remembered the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this act of remembering doesn't mean that God had forgotten about God's people, but it's a signal that God was about to act on their behalf, but needed Moses to help out a little. God called Moses while Moses was at work. This account of Moses' call is really no different than any other leaders or prophets in the Bible that have experienced a call from God. We actually see a pattern of this happening to Moses. First, God confronts Moses. Then God introduces and communicates the purpose in which he uh, made this contact. Then, in this case, the purpose was to free the Israelites, and God gave specific orders for Moses to go and talk to Pharaoh. Then, of course, Moses objects, as it usually happens, and God reassures him that everything would be okay. 
God called Moses to step out on faith. Moses tries several times to argue his way out of this call. He doesn't believe that he is the right person, nor that he has the right abilities to do what God has called him to. But scripture tells us God called Moses by name. God had been equipping Moses for the task that he was now ready to act on. Maybe Moses didn't really believe he was capable as a lowly shepherd to respond to God's call, but God knew what was in Moses better than Moses knew himself. And God knows us better than we know ourselves as well. At some point in our lives, we have experienced the same feelings of inadequacy or shortcomings, the very same feelings that Moses felt. I hear people say all the time, well, I'm not qualified, or I'm not educated enough, or I'm not the pastor. Maybe there was something on your heart that you just felt God speaking into you. But because of fear or anxiety or just the lack of confidence, you excused your way out of it. We have all been there at some point in our lives. But God answers Moses that he would not go alone. God says, certainly I will be with you. And if that is true for Moses, how much truer is that for us today? As believers, we have the Holy Spirit to equip and empower us. And if there is anything we should take from this, it's important for us to remember that God tends to use regular, ordinary, common people, no different than you and me in this room. Take, for example, this bus driver who may not explicitly say it, but allows God to use him to make a difference every day. As the school year ends, Steve Hartman pays, pays tribute to a hero in tonight's On the Road. You can see why someone might hate being a school bus driver. The early hours, when the weather sours, the abundance of responsibility combined with the absence of eyes in the back of your head. Y'all have a good day! Nevertheless, Curtis Jenkins loves delivering these little ones to Lake Highlands Elementary in Dallas, Texas. Yes. Emily Grunninger is the principal. He goes way beyond the outline responsibilities and duties of a bus driver. I mean, that bus is like a family. These are my children. These are my community. I love them all. To establish community, What's your job, man? he starts by giving everyone responsibility. This is one of the police officers. It's an elaborate flowchart. She's an administrative assistant to she's the president. She's an administrative assistant to yeah, the president. She's, yeah. Everyone working together to build a yellow bus utopia. And we're going to care about each other and we're going to love everybody, right? I put time, effort, love, care, understanding, understanding each and every one of those kids. Omar. To show his love and understanding, hey, Chief. Curtis gives presents throughout the year. You say you like baseball. Each gift personally selected with that child in mind. Hey. He gave this girl a t-shirt. Her first book. With a picture from a book she made. I'm hoping this t-shirt inspire her to keep on writing books. Over the years, he has bought these kids bikes, backpacks, handed out cards on birthdays, and even turkeys at Thanksgiving. He has spent thousands out of his own pocket. 
And yet, if you ask the kids what they like most about Curtis, the gifts don't even come up. He really cares about us, is really kind, and he helps anyone in need. Ethan Engel is a fifth grader. It means a lot to you. Yeah. He says the bus ride is often the best part of his day. My mom got divorced when I was only four. See you tomorrow. He's the father that I always wanted. In some ways, I just, I wish my dad could have been like that. We make the mistake sometimes of thinking certain jobs are more important than others. I know. But Curtis Jenkins made his job important. Yeah, bye -bye. And in doing so, even created his own salary. That's the paycheck right there. If I can get that, you can keep the money. <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road, in Dallas. We make the mistake sometimes that some jobs are more important than others. I just really love that from this video. Moses went on to lead the Israelites out of slavery and help them become the people that God wanted them to become. And for those of us that know the rest of the story, we know that this was no walk in the park for Moses or the Israelites for that matter, nor was it promised to be easy. But God used Moses to create a community in the desert that through the wisdom and inspiration of Moses had gotten us to where we are today. It has ultimately helped us to become part of a sacred community together. And because of it, lives have been changed and others have experienced the fullness of God's love. Likewise, with the community built by bus driver Jenkins, a man that has gone far above and beyond his duties, God continues to use him to invite even the most vulnerable into this community. Because of it, lives have been changed, and children are experiencing God's love in ways they have never experienced love before. There's no telling the impact that this community will have on those children in the years to come or the positive impact they will have on our world, all because of an ordinary bus driver. God tends to use regular, ordinary, common people to bring about change and love to this world, not priests, not religious workers, not the elite or those who have the most social status. But God chooses people like Moses, people like the women who saved Moses, people like the Israelites. God chooses to use people like Mr. Jenkins, ordinary people, people like me, people like you. God continues to choose an ordinary community of ordinary people. And that is what makes us special. Continue to live an ordinary life in Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.